Hello and welcome back to Diaries of a Lady Gardener, the podcast about all things planty. From flowers and fruits to succulents and sowing microgreens, we cover a whole host of topics with some of your favourite people across the gardening world. This one's for those who prefer plants to people and think of their seedlings as their children. This episode is sponsored by Mole Valley Farmers, who are celebrating the great outdoors this spring. Visit them in stores across the UK or online at moleonline.com between the 1st of March and 31st of May to make the most of their fabulous offers. You'll find discounts on items like sheds, garden furniture and all those gardening essentials. So head over to check out their full product range and get your garden summer ready. For this week's episode, I got to go on a little road trip to see the lovely Rhiannon who lives just an hour away from me in Devon. We had the best day. It was honestly like two old best friends who had been reunited for the first time in years. For the part of the day that we recorded, we had some wholesome allotment chat and talked about the amazing food she's growing to help food banks this year. Something which has never crossed my mind, but I think is such a brilliant idea. Anyway, before too many spoilers, here's our chat. Enjoy! excursion Stay oh yes tuned. coming coming soon for <laughs> coming real soon on stories we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna say lots of stuff is coming soon and people are gonna go oh you said it's just coming soon a customized doors actually launching <laughs> 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 the actual like devon allotment meetup we've decided it should be a thing so that 100 is gonna happen we'll I plan love, that we'll plan that this weekend get togethers yes and events especially with garden people exactly the best people to meet that's so true we were literally just saying weren't we that yeah had it not been for Instagram, we probably would never have crossed paths. No, and we and only really awesome. live like an hour away. Yeah, and I come down to North Devon all the time for surfing and stuff, and yeah. it's like that may never. That's so weird to think that may never have happened. Yeah, we've got on really well. It's been awesome. It's been the best day. I feel like you know, you some sometimes you meet people, you like we're instant best friends. Yeah, we're instant <laughs> so best good. friends. So good. <laughs> So, let's go right back to the beginning of your allotment adventure. How did you get into gardening? Well, I have literally, like, probably my whole life resisted gardening. My mum, bless her, has been trying her whole life to get me into gardening. Like, she had her vegetable patch at the end of our family home garden, and she even made, like, little baby mini patches for me and my brother, and she would, like, give us a little... She gave us... (laughs) Like ten pounds to go and buy a garden ornament <laughs> to go on it. And the funny story is, I don't know why, but I chose this really like sad looking stone dog <laughs> who literally looked like he'd had the worst day ever. And found him when I was moving house. Well my mum found him in the attic or something recently, so he's just taken up residence on my mum's front doorstep Love literally it. like the last two months. That is where your gardening journey began. You that have to keep that ornament. My forever. sad stone dog. Although the thing is I actually never did anything with my little baby mini patch. But the stone dog was stone always dog there. remained. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe he was sad because I didn't grow anything. Maybe. But um, yeah, so I kind of resisted it. And a good friend of mine has also been trying to get me into gardening for quite a long time. And I don't know, I don't know like what changed really. But basically I moved out here to Bradninch and it's a really nice rural um, place. And I had a tiny little like courtyard garden in the cottage I was renting. And a friend of mine in the village was like, sorry, town. Bradninch is a town. They had an allotment. So 
she took me around and she was like, oh, there's some spare plots, I think. And we had a look around all the plots and as lots of people know from my photos and as you know, because you've just visited, it's just surrounded by fields and forests and it's just beautiful. And I thought, oh, this is just a nice place. I wonder if I could do this. And I've never successfully grown anything in my life. I was like, I'm going to get an allotment. <laughs> and I'm going to be an allotment person. Um, so I got it and then instantly almost regretted it because it was like waist high with brambles and grass and weeds and so many raspberry games. But I just sort of did one thing at a time, asked lots of questions from people at the plots and Instagram's been a massive part of the learning journey because there's so many amazing accounts that show you how to do things and give you an advice and YouTube and things like that and that's kind of where it all kicked off June 2019 oh, pre-pandemic ours must have been fairly similar timing then because I think mine was Christmas 2018 so I started January 2019 oh, yeah so we're on very similar time time scales yeah we are and mine was also at waist high with not brambles, but well, there was quite a lot of brambles, but weeds. And we just yeah. got started, threw ourselves into it with absolutely, I say we, I threw myself <laughs> into it with um, zero expertise and experience. Mm. And I found the same, Instagram's just amazing for kind of like keeping you going. I was saying earlier about how I nearly quit the allotment yeah. not last year, but the year before. Same, I've had times like that. And you just actually like, last summer as well, I was just, you know, I think, coming out of the lockdowns I've lived on my own through some of the lockdowns and I think I sort of underestimated the impact that it had on me because gosh that winter one was bleak wasn't it yes. after Boris cancelled <laughs> Christmas but um so I just I just kind of lost my mojo of it and I wasn't really going up there and I was I had stuff growing but I wasn't really looking after it very mm. well and actually that taught me that nature just takes care of itself the majority of the time and that we don't have to kind of worry and panic too much if you know we haven't got to the allotment to water it for a few days and that things mm -hmm. will be okay but yeah I just kind of lost mojo a bit but I've, I'm back I'm back in the game yes and with a vengeance this year absolutely trying to nail this successional growing thing <laughs> a battle we all face um, but <laughs> just on the losing your mojo thing I think it is actually something that's quite important to talk about because no one ever mm. well not no one but not very many people talk about times when they've had it and then if you post about it I find that you get like influx of messages of people going I felt the exact same but yeah. I just I didn't want people to think that like I was being dramatic or whatever mm. and I still have days where I'm being dramatic and I'm like oh I just I don't have the time for this anymore I don't mm. want to do it anymore when I know that it's like my entire life it's everything that I ever think about I would be devastated if I gave it up but sometimes we all have just moments where it's just like a moment of frustration especially when you're growing things like ranunculus oh we've, yes <laughs> we've we've been talking about our battle with ranunculus I sowed 10 corns this year. One. One. Has got, I had two. <laughs> and mum, when I was in America, I got back, mum was like, I think one of the cats might have knocked it over. But I got a sneaking suspicion that perhaps she might have knocked it over. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh-oh. No uh, Let's not play the, the name blame game. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, 
Why are they so hard to grow? Why? I don't know. But the frustrating thing is, is I do see other people having masses of success with it. I know. And then they message you going, just keep on. Like, I'm not sure what's gone wrong for you, but mine are growing so well. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you <laughs> that you've cracked the mystery, but I, just I can't. I crack it. But I just feel like, I just feel like it's not meant to be. Me and Ranunculus, I can't say it. Me and Ranunculus. Ranunculus are ridiculous. It's just not a match made in heaven. No. However, a carrot, carrot I can do. I actually had problems with carrots last year as well, so Did I might need to hit you up for some tips. <laughs> Plant and hope, that is my mm. motto. And you're successionally sowing your carrots as well, aren't you? I am trying this year, yeah. So I think I've talked about it on a few posts. I'm trying to get much better at having a regular, like, crop and also planning about like having winter crops so I've got crops all year round um I've left I think like three or four weeks before my carrot sowings and mm-hmm. parsnip and also like things like radish and beetroot and that kind of thing um so I'm hoping fingers crossed that I may have nailed it I feel like I may have just jinxed it by speaking too soon but <coughs> also I've had conversations with other people who have said that they've done that and they've sowed their carrots like three or four or even six weeks apart and they just seem to like all catch up and grow mm. the same time. Like they've had a little chat and they're like, hang on, hang on, right, go. <laughs> Everyone grow at the same time. <laughs> and then you've just got loads of carrots. But um, hopefully, hopefully it will Fingers work crossed. out okay. Yeah. My um, My mum's actually doing the carrots this year. And the carrots will germinate, but the parsnips that are sown between them just don't seem to be doing. Oh, she's done them between them. Yeah, so she, we've got like a row of carrots, a row of parsnips. Oh, okay, like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just I don't know what it was with the carrots last year. The ones that I did think were a success, I pulled them up at Christmas, and I was like, oh my god, I've just found carrots, and they're actual carrots, and we're going to have carrots for Christmas. <laughs> and I was buzzing, and then I pulled them all up, and then. By the time I'd washed them all, you could tell that they had a really bad carrot root fly. Oh, that's so annoying. And so they all ended up in the That's complex. the worst part, I think, about growing like root veg is you can't quite see until you pull it and you're like, oh, no. this is a big one, this is, yeah. And then it's like half eaten or yeah. it's not very good. But this year they're in the raised beds, which are quite high up, and they have these fancy net covers that my mum's bought to go over the top. So there is like very low risk of the carrot fly that's this good. year. So hopefully... The carrots will be a massive success because mm. I love homegrown carrots. There's, like they just smell amazing. Mm. As soon as you pull them, like they smell amazing. I remember my brother was visiting one weekend, and I was like, "Let's go get some stuff, some veg for dinner." And he pulled one up, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, you can smell it already!" Like I haven't even put it near my nose, and he was he was like quite shocked. They yeah. just and they taste so good. Like everything tastes so much better when you literally like pick out the ground. A hundred percent. It's the best feeling. And to know that you're like, you know, looking after yourself and your body and the environment and you're doing your part to like help with sustainability mm-hmm. and, you know, all the other things that can be quite overwhelming in life. And I quite often feel like, you know, I've done a lot of things to reduce my plastic. I've switched to soaps and supporting local businesses and really thinking about what I buy in the supermarket in terms of air mom and stuff like that. And it can feel like, oh, you know, I'm doing lots of little things, but is it enough? Mm. And I feel quite, like, overwhelmed by my responsibility to the planet. But actually, I realise that by growing my own fruit and veg, not only am I helping myself have, like, a a healthy diet and 
getting exercise and fresh air, but also I'm doing that part to help, you know, with sustainability. And it's so important. And actually, I didn't realise how easy it was. And we all do have like crops and flowers uh, (laughs) (laughs) that we battle with. But actually, that's the main thing I've realised that I just wish I'd cottoned on to as a kid Mm. is how easy it is. And like the amazement I still get, like while I was sowing those carrot seeds the other day and I was like, these things are so tiny. Yeah. And like the most amazing thing comes from them. And it's that, like all this delicious, amazing fruit and veg comes from the tiniest, tiniest seeds. And it's literally like magic. Yeah. I love it. And some of them grow so quickly as well. And yeah. Like you can't believe that in like what potatoes they say a hundred days. From one potato, you can have like a bag of potatoes in a hundred days. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's so good. So I have to ask, what is your favourite thing, veg thing to grow, tastiest? Do you know what? I can bang out, bang on, like, (laughs) bang on about it a lot. Um, I love kale. Oh, really? Kale, black kale. Like, it's so good for you, obviously, but also, Mm. oh, I just love it. It can go in anything. You can have, like, you can just eat it so many different ways. Smoothie, kale Mm. chips in your pasta, in a casserole, like, so much. But... I find that quite easy to grow. Um, I love growing carrots and parsnips as well. And I think, like, the the fun thing this year for me is I'm trying a lot of new things, like sweet corn and a lot of brassicas that I haven't grown before. Have you not grown homegrown sweet corn before? No, this is my first <gasps> year. Oh, I didn't realise that earlier when we were talking about it. No. Sweet corn is my all-time favourite thing. And is it? I've had people who hate sweet corn eat a homegrown corn on the cob, and they're like, oh my god, that's amazing. Yes! High yeah. five to you! Ooh, yes! <laughs> and that's also what it's about, like, getting people to try stuff. And also, I am eating or trying things that I haven't tried before, you know, like, kind of, what people would call, like, your weird and unique veg. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I love it. And I find it's helped my cooking as well, because, like, I've wanted to, I'm like, oh, what recipes have got that veg in, and that sort of thing. So it's it's made a difference in a lot of different areas of my life, which is great. And I think as well, sometimes when you have a glut of something specific, you're like, okay, how can I eat this in a few different ways yeah. so that I'm not just eating... The exact same thing day after day after day after yeah. day because I can't bear to part with my precious vegetables. That's the thing, yeah. I think the good thing about kale is that it goes on for so long and you can harvest it for so many months once it's mm. ready that you've got a really good constant supply of a really healthy vegetable. You can literally like have it on the side with you know some meat and veg, mm-hmm. or you can yeah. There's so many different ways to eat it, but I do I do tend to give quite a lot of kale friends mm. so it's something I struggle to grow because I have a lot of um I think pigeons and mm. what are they called the butterfly white but white cabbage butterflies oh, yeah. and caterpillars they just disseminate it but I might have talked about this on the last episode but my Taunton Dean kale I had a um a cutting that a friend from Instagram sent to me two cuttings and I planted them last year and it's just been disseminated the whole time I, have, I haven't had a crop from it yet but it seems to have got to a big enough state that things seem to be leaving it alone now. Oh, that's good. So I th- I don't know if it it just needed to kind of push through the initial barrier and now it's mm. maybe like a year old, I can actually harvest from it. And because it's a perennial, like I am all about the perennial veg this year. If there's more perennial veg I can introduce, 100% will. Because like you say, it keeps going and going yeah. and going and you don't have to re-sow and faff about with it every year. Yeah, that is good. Because like, 
oh, we were talking about me, I was going to show you my seed sewing schedule that I've done on yes. a piece of cardboard. But I, I like, I had to write it all out and then I was trying to sew stuff before, I was thinking I'll sew all this at the beginning of April before I go away on my holiday and then I thought actually I'm not going to be here, like my mum was looking after the cats in the house which was amazing and she loves gardening so it's like not a chore to ask her to help with that stuff but it's trying to figure out like when am I going to sew all this stuff, oh my gosh I've got loads to sew in April and May, I'm super overwhelmed, have I got enough pots, I don't want to buy more plastic, I've run out of toilet roll tubes, <laughs> there's quite a lot like I think one of the things I found when I was beginning, and I've only this is only my third season of growing, is it can be really overwhelming and the planning side can kind of like take over your life a little bit and feel like, I think particularly with Instagram, it is such an incredible tool for learning and for sharing ideas and also for like making friends and new mm. connections. But I've definitely had times where I'm like, oh no, like my plot doesn't look like that or why doesn't my veg look that good and how come mine hasn't done that? And I think there is that comparison element, isn't there, that can be quite kind of stressful and, and make you feel a bit anxious about what you're doing. But like the, I'd spoken, I can't remember who it was, but I had had a conversation on Instagram with somebody about feeling like that. I think it was last year when I just had kind of lost lost the plot <laughs> lost my mojo <laughs> um and I think that the main thing to remember is like you're doing this for you and mm -hmm. um, Instagram is great and I think we all started out our Instagram accounts as like a documentation of what we're doing that's certainly what mine is for it's like okay it looked like that on the first day how am I doing and it does sort of evolve into like a teaching platform or a learning platform and there's various pressures to feel like you've got to do this and do that but actually you're doing it for you and that mm -hmm. classic saying like I don't really say it very much but you do you like try you have to say it with hun you have to say you do you hun do you <laughs> you have to just you do you hun <laughs> like that that's why I say it all the time when people don't agree with me Oh, well, you yeah. do you, hun. <laughs> I have to remember that. Sorry, that's really sarcastic to me like that. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so important to remember because, you know, that's quite a significant part of the society and social media like era that we live in. Mm -hmm. But I think if you ever feel like that, I think, you know, people have asked me before and my advice has been, you just take yourself back to like, why did you start this? Mm -hmm. I started doing this to be outside, to grow my own food, to play what little part I can play in helping the planet and be healthier. And actually it is for you. Instagram's great, but make sure that your plot and your garden. How you want it to how be. How you want it to be. And do, do the approach you want to do and take advice from people. That's great. But if you actually think, Mm, I'm going to do it a bit differently then then go for it 100% can't agree more just turn this into like an advice column <laughs> I love it <laughs> we'll start advice with Rihanna <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I absolutely love that kind of concept of like you should do what makes you happy and I would have always said you're not growing for a show or to sell your produce but this year I am growing for a show so yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't apply to me but I do think like wonky carrots imperfect veg like ultimately 
like you say, it's you're doing it for you and to make you happy. Mm. And I actually prefer the veg that's a bit more wild and wacky and doesn't look like it's just come off the shelf in a supermarket. Do you yeah. know what? When I pulled my carrots last year <laughs> and they, they they looked great. There's loads of photos on my Instagram of me with them before I knew. And I'm buzzing. And all the captions are that I'm buzzing. I don't even know if I ever put the post up about that the fact that they had carrot root fly because I was so devastated. And I think it was on Christmas Day that I found out. Oh, that's the worst. But mum had bought a pack of fancy carrots. You know the ones you buy from the supermarket that still got the carrot tops on? Oh, yeah. And I very nearly took those carrots outside and did a little photo with them. (laughs) And I was like, don't lie to yourself, Shannon. A carrot from the allotment would never be that straight and perfect. And do you know what I mean? So, But I think that you've you've got to relish the fact that it's... Like, you can grow some new, more different varieties. They don't Mm. look quite perfect. And that's kind of half the fun of it. And it's really funny when you pull a carrot and it looks... Like it's got legs. (laughs) Yeah, legs and other things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it still tastes the same. It's still going in the same cooking pot. It's still going in your tummy, like... Way more nutritious as well. Hasn't been sprayed with loads of nasty chemicals. Hasn't hasn't been fed with chemicals and things that shouldn't be fed to plants. So, yeah, all round. Allotmenting is a good egg. It is a good egg. But on the garden fail topic, mm-hmm. what's been your most epic garden fail to date? Oh, well, ranunculus. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot um, of people have added that to their list this year. Yeah, I feel like there's two camps on ranunculus. They're like, I've nailed it and look at my incredible flowers mm-hmm. and would you like to use them for your wedding? Yeah. And the, I'm just going to wait till this one flower blooms and then I'm going to like keep keep it in the house as long as it can possible. I'm going to take a million photos of it. Oh, my biggest gardening fail. Hmm. There's quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, so there were like some big lessons lessons that I learned, first of all, um, when I didn't really have any clue what I was doing. So the first one was to net your brassicas. Yes which is, like, the biggest thing. And actually, I net a lot of stuff until it's established, if it doesn't need pollinating, because uh, we do have a bit of a rabbit and pigeon problem at the allotment, um, and my fence... I don't know where they're getting in, but there is a hole somewhere in the fence. I've literally, like, walked the perimeter so many times, but there's definitely some rabbits getting in. Um, And also feeding your plants mm. so my the first set of broad beans I ever grew I was like why are they turning yellow they really don't look good and there was this lovely um guy the guy with the pink shirt with the rabbit on oh yes um he walked past and we were just chatting because I was sort of new to the plots and everyone was saying hello as they sort of walked past and met me and I said you don't know what's wrong with these do you and he said oh you're feeding them and I was like I don't know what what does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that is. And he explained to me about the benefits of feeding your food regularly. Feeding your food. Well, it is. Feeding <laughs> yeah. your food. Feeding your plants regularly with plant food. And so that's where I learned about seaweed feed and mm-hmm. hashtag Friday feed. Love Who it. came up with that? I don't know. I feel like I need a, a catchier name for the weekend because I can't get to the plots on Fridays because I oh, go from yeah. work to roller hockey and so I don't have plot time in the middle. Roller hockey. <laughs> Absolute legend. That sounds amazing. You mentioned going to see the ice hockey earlier, and I was yes! like, oh, I love the ice hockey. <laughs> I actually don't love the ice hockey. If you're listening, Tanya and Jason, I don't want to go and watch it again, but thank you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, so 
those broad beans were also a big fail. However, after his advice, mm-hmm. and I started regularly feeding them, rescued. Amazing. And got loads of broad beans. And do you do no dig at your allotment? I do, most of the time, yeah. Um, there's one bed that I'm just digging over at the moment because it's full of bindweed and raspberry canes. These raspberry canes. There's more raspberry canes than bindweed in my pot, I swear. Um, but that's going to become my brassica bed. And so I am digging all of that out. Mm-hmm. But then I will be laying cardboard and doing no dig from there. It's just to kind of get rid of the worst of it. Because although no dig is a really good method for suppressing weeds, actually those guys are... You can need to dig out the perennials first, yeah. really. Because yeah. else they just come back time and time exactly. again. And that bed's been covered by not just weed membrane, like thick black plastic mm. that my mum gave me that she's always used as a weed suppressant. And it's been covered for nearly a year. And the raspberry canes are still like loving life underneath. The raspberry canes and nettles just seem to thrive everywhere. I, know. I mean, I don't even know how them. they get there though. The raspberry canes, because the nettles, you can kind of see how the roots kind of creep about. Yeah, definitely. I'm guessing the raspberry canes do the same, but I'm like, there's no raspberry plant anywhere near you, and there's never been a raspberry plant anywhere near you. Yet there's one in the middle of the bed. Yeah, that is weird. Mm. But yeah, they're like surprise. Yeah. And they're a pain to get out as well. Oh my gosh, so hard. Like my friend Alice and I dug out this huge bed that was raspberry canes. That bed that I said oh, was yeah. going to be where my sweet corns go. So that whole bed was raspberry canes. It took us, I think, like two days of solid back-breaking digging. Yeah. And the roots, some of the roots went in so deep. And it is really hard to get them out. Like quite often you'll snap off the root and then like, where the hell did that go? Yeah. I dug up a, it was probably a one metre squared kind of corner, which is at the end of my kind of dahlia border. And there's a little tree in there, which is really good for foliage, for bouquets. Mm. I had another one, but I dug it out last year or the year before for some reason. But the one that was left is much smaller, but it grows really quickly through the summer. So it's a really great one. So I was like, I'll leave the tree, but I'll take the raspberry canes out around it because they never produce fruit. I think because there's too many in there. And I was mm. thinking that there was maybe like four or five. By the time I'd spent, I think it was like four or five hours oh digging this one little one metre squared corner. It was literally like the roots were wrapped around each other. It was like being pot bound, but in this oh my goodness. like square. And it was wrapped right around the root of the tree. And I was just hacking it out and hacking it out and hacking it out. There was about 20 raspberry plants in there. It obviously just been multiplying over the years. Mm. And then, yeah, it was absolute back-breaking hell. It is. It's like proper back-breaking work. Yeah. That's part of the reason I chose No Dig as a method, not just because of, like, the the differences in crop yield and quality, but also, like, I have a bad enough back as it is. I don't <laughs> need to make it even more unhappy with me. Definitely. And there's so many other, like, even, for, like, wheeling compost, squealing wood chip, there's so yeah. many intense activities anyway, mm-hmm. if you can reduce any of those, yeah. then that is genius, I've actually just, genius ideas has reminded me of a conversation I had yesterday, shout out to Katrina, who actually doesn't live far from here, uh, some of field plot 13, she's probably listening, um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> she messaged me yesterday with a solution <laughs> to one of my back baking, breaking jobs at the allotment, which is watering. Oh so my gosh. on my allotment there is no water like we have water butts that fill the, collect the water and then I'm there with my 10 litre watering can and it probably takes me two hours to mm. half-heartedly water the plot <laughs> and then by the time I'm done I'm like I probably might as well have not bothered because 
it's going to have been such a small amount of water that I've just sprinkled over the top of the plants they're probably getting nothing from it um but she sent me this it's like a water power pump thing that you switch on you attach a hose to it and you can use it like you've got a tap with a hose attached to water from your water bucks so I ordered That's one straight amazing. away uh, I'm going to pick it up. It depends what time I get home tonight. I may pick it up today. I may pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, and she's got like a, you know, like a sprinkler hose attachment for the end so she can nicely water all of her plants at the plot with like a 30 metre hose, not, not not trekking back and forwards with the watering can. That is so good. I'm so excited. Someone's going to tell me that it's not worth it, but... Katrina's used it and I've seen her son looking like Fireman Sam using it and it looks brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. That is like, I'm quite lucky that I've got a tap close to mine and my plot neighbour, who met Paul, who met mm-hmm. today, he made me that little hose attachment. Oh, amazing. So it's like you would attach your hose pipe at home to your outdoor tap and then it's like a 30 centimetre length. So that just, you pop your watering can down and put that mm-hmm. in so you don't have to like hold your watering can over and your hunch yeah. and that I thought that had changed my life enough but that yeah sounds awesome and actually like I've been thinking about this quite a lot recently because I'm growing so much more this year for like the food bank plans that I have so it's I feel like it's going to take me like you say like two or three hours to water everything properly especially like when you're doing seaweed feed as well mm-hmm. once a week you're like putting that in and filling everything up so I I've seen people who have got, it's like the water tank type things that you can get for when you're camping, mm-hmm. but they're like plastic, well, it's plastic though, that's the problem, like, um, but they squish down. Oh yeah, the collapsible ones, I had loads yeah. of them. And then you can like fill them up, put them in your wheelbarrow or roll them to your plot, but I yeah. guess it just depends like where your water source is and things. Yes, and they are good, but I found that they... The collapsible ones weren't very sturdy, oh. uh, and I popped two of my four, and they're actually quite heavy to carry. Yeah, and so like I could actually I only carry two in my wheelbarrow because the others would fall out, and it was a bit of a nightmare. But when I had no, because the first year I was on the plot, I had moved onto the plot after the Christmas rain. Oh no, maybe I just hadn't attached the water butt. That basically I'd not collected any rainwater, and so I just had two empty water butts. And then oh, it was gosh. the summer, and it was lockdown summer. It was so oh, hot, so hot, wasn't it? And I had no water, and so I was carting down these bottles. But mm. f- oh, I had I five of them. That on your stories, yes. <laughs> I got one of the ones you can get ones that go in your boot that are like a big water bag. Yes, that's, oh my gosh, I've just realised that that's where I saw it from. Yeah, I really, <laughs> yeah, how funny. The and then I popped the one in my boot. Uh, in the boot. In no. the boot. And <laughs> it's just a nightmare. So personally, I wouldn't recommend the whole no. bottle fiasco. I am really lucky, like I'm not too far, there's actually two taps, but one of them's quite aggressive and I find, them, <laughs> find it a bit hard. It's like, you know, like in toilets, you get the taps where you push it and then water comes out for a certain yeah. amount of time. So it like fully gushes out and spurts out, but then it doesn't stop and it's quite hard to get your watering can out of the way. Yeah, that is So the other one's not too bad. And actually it helps with, you know, the guns. Absolutely. You're carrying your watering cans and lifting them up like that. You know, it's a workout. It is. It's just not a workout I enjoy. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, my allotment neighbour waters the greenhouse during the week, so it does Legends. save me a little bit of 
Shout out. Shout out to Debbie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it does save me a little bit of hard graft. But you mentioned your food bank plans. Can we talk about the food bank plans? Yeah. Well, in my work, so I work in a school um, and we have families who access food banks. And obviously there was a lot of press about free school meal and um, people accessing food banks throughout particularly lockdown and, you know, the cost of living rising um but one of the things that has come out with a lot of my conversations with families that I work with is that they really lack fresh food and fresh fruit and veg in the packages they get and a lot of food banks are doing the best they can and there are lots of um supermarkets that will you know give the kind of gone out of date but not really out of date stuff Um, But it's still just not enough. There's just so many people who are reliant on food bank packages at the moment. Um, And so I have quite a big plot, which I'm really lucky that I have. But I I do have excess fruit and veg with the amount that I was growing. So really, I sort of utilised half my plot over the last couple of years, which is nice because then you can give it away to friends and family or like a sort of sold little, you know, bundles of kale and things onto people at work for you know a quid 50p or whatever so what I decided is to really utilize the space I've put in more beds down the side and grow as much as I can in the space that I have so that I can use what I use and you know I've got limited freezer capacity um, and then provide even a little bit of extra fruit and veg for food banks that are in my sort of locality so I've already got in contact with a couple of uh, one in Tiverton and one in Exeter and also the homeless shelter in Exeter to just hopefully make some regular donations Mm -hmm. and drop offs to them um so that's partly why I want to get this successional so I can never say that what it's a tricky one it is hard it's the alliteration I think yeah. successional sewing there we go but um that's partly why I wanted to get that nailed as well this year because then that means I can supply a more constant supply of you know those basics carrots and things mm-hmm. and it's also also as part of my role in the school I work and I'm the school nutrition lead so do a lot of work we've worked with um the food for life and soil association and work towards the healthy schools awards like the mm-hmm. we've got um the bronze and silver awards which is really great so that means we're providing you know like the best we can for our children in terms of the dinners we're supplying and things which has been a real learning journey as well and a a real eye-opener to actually so many people want to provide that fresh fruit and veg part of the diet for their families but it can be really expensive Mm. and so part of what I'd love to do in the future we've talked a lot about this is getting having outreach stuff and getting kids excited and families excited about growing their own fruit and veg to show them how simple and how cost effective it can be to grow your own because you know it is especially when you go into the supermarkets it is quite a lot of money and Mm -hmm. you think actually the seed packets we buy to grow how many plants from that you know loads and loads and you're paying two two pound fifty three pounds depending on where you're going for a packet of some broccoli mm-hmm. stems it's you know it's, it must be very overwhelming if you're trying to support family and you, you can't provide them with that element of the diet because of the cost so I'm hoping that that little bit will be helpful 
Definitely. And I think it's such a good point as well. I Until you said, I'd never considered donating the excess produce to mm. a food bank. And like the work garden last year, we had loads of squash and loads of beans and peas and things. And no one from work really wanted to take them, I think, because they were slightly unusual varieties. Everyone was a bit like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. Mm. And actually, that would have been great if it had gone to the food bank. Mm. It's literally around the corner. So that's I'm definitely going to take that, especially for the work garden, because it's so close to a food bank. And we do produce oh, a lot nice. in it because it's kind of a huge, it's probably as big as my allotment and yeah, dedicated to mainly vegetables and kind of making it a space for people to enjoy at lunchtimes and things. So we'll have loads that we can do with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. And I think like if you have got your slightly unusual things in there, you could always include like a little how to, how to, or this is what you, this is what it is, this is what it will taste like this is a good recipe that can just be popped in with it yeah in my last workshop actually I had quite a few people um because I as I was going through it I was talking about a lot of things that I've made with my produce especially with things that like I actually don't like courgettes I don't enjoy the taste no, of them me too <laughs> Wait, really or cucumbers no oh I love cucumbers I was like you're growing cucumbers this year and I was like no I grow cucumelons just because they're super cute, they're cute yeah. I literally love them they're and great then... pickled though if you like Pickles. Are they? Also good in a gene too. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, did like courgettes. I was like, I don't like courgettes, but I've included them today because if you grow courgettes, you can make the best ever courgette cake. And it sounds horrible because you think I hate courgette. I'm obviously not going to like courgette cake, but it's like a lighter, more summery version of a carrot cake. Yeah. It's less like cinnamony and mm-hmm. more like limey and zesty, and it's such a good recipe. And I, in the first year that I grew courgettes could not get through the glut quick enough and I was living at my mum's at the time and was baking like a courgette cake a day for this cream cheese frosting and like shipping it away to the neighbours and anyone who I could possibly give this cake away Big to. Sale. <laughs> yeah. But um they said, Oh, it would be great if you shared more recipes because I never do share recipes on Instagram. Because like obviously what we do like I feel like I very much do the here's what I've grown, mm-hmm. here's me harvesting it. But no one ever sees what you do with it. Yeah. Except for that rhubarb tart that I did last year. Someone, the guilty environmentalist, made yes. it this weekend. Legends, just join the Devon crew. Yes. Shout out, guilty environmentalist. Welcome to Devon. <laughs> um, they made the tart, and I was like, oh my god, I have to get that recipe back out because it is the best. Mm. Um, I actually made that recipe myself from a mirage of other recipes. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that recipe sharing and kind of giving people suggestions. Yeah. Like with the squash, I was talking about there's so many things you can do with it. Mm-hmm. You can make soups and pasta sauces and roast it. And Ooh, I love it. Sauce. Mm, super creamy. Especially mm. if you have the, what's the really creamy one I had? It's got like a scalloped edge. A pet, pet patty pan. Oh, yeah. I'm growing those this year. <laughs> I was going to call it a petty pan. <laughs> These <laughs> petty pans. Gosh. <laughs> um, they make a really good creamy sauce. And I actually roast them and then blend them. Ooh. Lots of pepper. Really I think good. you should start sharing. Mm, I think I will. Because that's the other thing, like, I would, my parents would say I was a fussy eater. My friend Lucy will say I'm a fussy eater. Like, she's like, you've got so much better. I was, when I was a kid, I was a really fussy eater. Um, <clears throat> and my parents, like, got into their heads that I just didn't eat any fruit and vegetables. And basically, I just don't enjoy a salad. Fair enough. And... So I don't eat salad. And people are like, oh, you don't eat vegetables. It's like, no, no, no. Like, give me any other green vegetable. Yeah. And I love it. And carrots and parsnips and squash mm-hmm. and, like, so many vegetables. Do you like a roasted veg salad? Yes. 
I do enjoy. Mm. And also, like, I make a quinoa salad. Quinoa, quinoa. Co- I call it quinoa, though, quinoa. because I know that's wrong. I think quinoa. it's quinoa. Quinoa, if anyone knows the right I think it's quinoa. I just like to pronounce things wrong because it winds my family up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, <laughs> with, um, like, baby corn and kale mm. and asparagus all chopped up and also add some halloumi cheese. Oh. Yum. And then dressing of your choice. That's also really delicious. Mm-hmm. And also as like a little cheeky side at a barbecue. Mm-hmm. But it's things like that. And like actually sharing recipes. I've made things that I've seen someone share a recipe on Instagram. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about that. Because yes. there's so many recipe books and that's great. But I find quite often like I won't use recipes from the whole book. I'll just, you know, you get your favourites, don't you? Yeah. So I tend to get get stuff from online now in terms mm-hmm. of recipes and sort of save that page or save that post. Mm-hmm. I tend to just Google what ingredients I have and then see exactly, if there's yeah. a recipe that comes up. Like fridge raid recipe. Mm. I was going to say on the roasted veg, one of my favourite salads from a couple of years ago, I don't know if you can call it a salad, it was more like a winter salad, but I ate it so much in lockdown, it was get like squash, uh, peppers, onions, courgette even, I would chuck in. Roast it like roasted medveg type thing with some like nice seasoning, and then get a block of halloumi, um, block of feta, <laughs> and bake the block of feta on the top or in a bit of foil with a bit of honey, some shallots and a little bit of chili, and then when you just eat it, it's just unreal. You know, everyone was obsessed with that feta tomato pasta. Yeah, it was like that, but healthier because you've got the vegetables and you don't need pasta to go with it. But just so flavourful. And, like, the tang of the feta with, like, the, like, sweet, rich, caramelised, delicious squash. I feel like I'm in a Marks and Spencer salad. This is not not just any roasted feta salad. This This is is a Shannon's apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Roasted feta salad. Diary of a lady garden. Oh, yeah. Feta salad. I'm gonna do it. Did you just yourself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I forget who I am. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Do you know what? My brother like got the cooking, cooking joy genes in the family, and he he's a brilliant cook. And he like he'll just chuck random stuff together and mm. flavors, and I'll be like, how did you do that? Yeah, people like that annoy me because I can't do that. So annoying. Like he's he's great brother but you know he's a little brother so he's annoying in so many ways Mm -hmm. but yeah no he loves cooking and he's really good at that and so like well we were talking earlier weren't we about like combining dreams and like skills I'll grow the veg chat you cook it and together we'll put on a long table feast like evening or something but yeah I wish I'm starting to get better at that like he's taught me and I think growing my own veg and like you say like googling what can I make this Mm -hmm. has made me kind of a bit a bit more into my cooking mm. and enjoying it a bit more before it was kind of like a chore for me but now it's quite nice and, and using what I've grown is like oh great and it's you can tell like I remember having a couple of friends over for a roast and all the veg that was on our plate was from the allotment and most of it had been picked that morning and they're like this just tastes amazing where did you get this I'm like grew it myself <laughs> there's nothing better than that smug feeling of going oh yeah, yeah. oh no no worries just grew that myself yeah they're like wow these parsnips are going to be really nice I'm like thank you <laughs> I did it, it with it does taste better doesn't it it does um, I made rhubarb cake for the roller hockey lot a few weeks ago and I had two or three people that said they didn't like rhubarb and I was like okay no worries you don't have to eat it and they were like oh well I'll try it because you've baked it 
and they ate it, and I was like, that's not just any rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Diable Lady Gardens homegrown. <laughs> it's actually not from my plot, but um, I my, I'd moved mine, so that's a side note story from <laughs> from the the plot that's kind of like diagonal to mine. <laughs> And they loved it. They loved. Yeah, they loved but the that's cake. another thing. I didn't used to like rhubarb, mm. and then I ha- like I need to separate the crowns this year. I've said that like the last three years, but I get loads of rhubarb, and I was like, oh god, what am I going to do with this? Oh, I'll just make a rhubarb crumble. And my stepdad showed me how to make it, and I was like, oh, actually, I like this. Yeah. But I think as well, I was talking to my friend Adam about this the other day about is it every seven years or every number of years, like your taste buds change, yeah. and so you do like. I used to love bananas, not really that keen on oh, them really? anymore. Yeah. Interesting. So there are some things that I still like, not a fan of mm. throughout my life, like mushrooms. Raisins for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remember that if I ever make you a rhubarb crumble because they're so hard as in. I will still eat it. You'll just see a little pile of them at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than I used to be. Like I can eat a toasted tea cake with like sultanas and raisins in and it won't make me feel sick. That's progress. Well done. Progress. I'm Thank proud. You. One day, maybe I'll even like a raisin. <laughs> <laughs> if I grew them myself, yeah. grew the grapes and shriveled them up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do think homegrown. And I think as well, sometimes once you've got a good recipe that you know works with some homegrown veg, you can just change to whatever veg you've got. And then you're like, oh, ideal. That's like yeah. five versions of the same meal. That yeah, I really exactly. Love. Yeah, exactly. I'm really into like Asian flavours the last few weeks and I'm trying to work out what Asian flavoured things I can do with the mm. veg that I'm growing on the allotment this year because I love like pickled slaws and pickled cucumber type things yeah on like a like a sushi rice bowl um and I love miso so I have actually not grown aubergines this year but miso aubergine is so good Ooh. would recommend yeah um you definitely do need to do don't want to shout out to a chain restaurant but Wagamama's and Yo Sushi both do oh, insane, Wagamama. like, miso. I'm actually going there tomorrow. Are you? Yeah. And I might have gone on there Tuesday as well. Twice in one week. Treats. Treats. Wagamama's treats. I it's do that It's good healthy food. It's totally fine. Yeah. There's a really good um, little cafe where I live called Block, um, and they do, like, Asian flavoury food. But I just mm. never get the chance to go, but I really need to book in because they're, like, poke bowls and... Ooh, so many things that are good. Do you know what cafe I like down your way, Bonton? Wild Time. Oh yeah, I love it there. Square by they Sandra. do great breakfast sandwiches. So as good. Well. Their bacon sandwiches yeah. are like doorstop. Oh, so good. There's nothing like picking up one of those and like bombing it down to the beach. Yeah. So my allotment is literally around the corner from there. No way. You can walk there in like seven minutes. Oh, I'm so excited. To my favourite cafe is like 30 seconds around the corner, Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, you told it's me It's the pink that. one. I would recommend for a, a donut. Oh, I don't know if they have dairy and they might do. They probably do butter. Vegan donuts. They do sometimes do vegan, but mm. their coffee is also insane if you're a oh. coffee drinker. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do. I'm not a coffee drinker either, but I love that. I think I'm weird because I don't drink tea or coffee. Oh, I'm big on tea. Big on tea. Um, their iced coffees in particular. I do enjoy an oat milk hot chocolate. Mm. That's a good that's a good hot drink. I like a coconut milk ice latte, that's my top preference. <laughs> we have gone off the bed. Back to the, <laughs> the point is is that when I get tired at the allotment I just nip around the corner. Exactly. Oh that's what's lacking here. Mm. I have to always make sure we've got snacks. I do tend to bring snacks, but Broughton is a great place for like mm. the little Cawthorns food market, their sandwiches are also unreal. 
So I do often forget my lunch and then I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to go and get a donut from Hot Break Hotel and I'm going to have to go and get oh, a sandwich from Cornwall. A breakfast sandwich from Wild Time. But no, it's really good. It is a good little little area. You'll yeah. have to come and visit for Devon. I'm totally, yeah, I'm there. I'm, I love that area of Devon. It's so beautiful. And now you're there as well. Even more reason to come. Absolutely. You'll be uh, stopping off, picking up me a bacon sandwich and coming to yeah. the other. They're like, whoa, what do you want? I'm at Wild Time. <laughs> um, so have you got anything particularly exciting planned for the allotment this year? Other than trying to nail successional sewing. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, like what I'm enjoying is enjoying it again mm-hmm. and I've got that passion for it again and I'm loving being down there again so really I just want to keep enjoying it um I think sorting out that back corner has mm-hmm. been my priority for well about two years now <laughs> so I'd like to get that done and then um yeah just just watching everything grow and spending more time down there in the evenings in the summer and just really Making the most of the Yeah, space. making the most of the space because it's so beautiful down there. And now I've got to know some of the people down there more and some other friends um, in the village. Sorry, town. I've <laughs> uh, also got plots, so like cheeky allotment barbecues. Yeah. This is cheeky side of the fun. Also, there's a great fish and chip shop in Columpton, which is like five minutes from here. Uh, shout out to Hong's. It's <laughs> the best chips ever. Um, and quite often my mum and um, my stepdad or um, my dad and my stepmom come down. We'll either, if it's pizza van night, nice. get pizza and take it down there, or go, I'll do a fish and chip run, and then we sit and have fish and chips at the allotment. Oh, that sounds dreamy. nice. It's dreamy. So more stuff like that, really, <laughs> and just sorting it all out, making the most of the space, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the best, best yeah. plan of action. And I feel like we haven't talked about this at all today. Um Flowers-wise, other than a ranunculus, do you have any flowers in your lot? I have dahlias and sweet peas. I've got some dahlia oh, yeah, tubers that peas. I left in there last year. Just hoping it looked like a shoot was coming. It up, did, definitely it? did, <laughs> definitely a shoot. Um, so, and then I just potted up twenty-one dahlias. Yay! <laughs> that are in the greenhouse. <laughs> it's becoming an obsession. So some of those will go in the garden. Hopefully, if mm-hmm. the blooming slugs will leave them alone this year. I have lupins down there. I have like a little cottage garden oh, cute. bed down one side. So I have some foxgloves lupins. Um, I've got some lovely wild meadow flowers. Hopefully they'll start germinating soon. I've just put in some hollyhocks. Oh, I love hollyhocks. Yeah. What kind of your hollyhocks? Uh, they're like a mixed one. Got them in Sainsbury's of all places. Anyway. Shout out to Sainsbury's. <laughs> Other supermarkets are. <laughs> But, um, you know, when you're like, I don't need any more flowers. Oh, look. Yeah. <laughs> Those are a bargain. Um, and also, I, yeah, I'm trying to grow quite a lot of flowers. Cosmos, I love Cosmos, but mm-hmm. for some reason they've germinated. I've yeah. had the same problem this year. I don't know it's what weird. it is. I, I had, like, like, out of a tray of 60, I had five germinate. Really? And last year, I every single one germinated within, like, five days. I don't know if it's, um, the compost is particularly dry or... Yeah, it's really weird. So I'm going to try again. I'm wondering if I might just like sow them in situ. Mm, I think I'm direct sowing is like a bit more bit of me this year. Mm, Just like mm -hmm. chuck the seeds in and hope for the best. Because I've done cornflowers and maybe something else in like a little patch. Yeah. And they've come up perfectly. I remember doing that the first year, like just sort of scattering some Nigella and yes, Nigella seeds. 
and they all came up and it was great along that cottage garden yeah. bed so maybe I'll just do that again and hope that works like maybe sew some backup cosmos but no I do I'm trying to get better at sowing flower seeds and growing flowers um, but also we're restricted on the plot with how like what percentage can be flowers oh really I love oh, hearing about the rules I know some of them are super crazy yeah ours are pretty chill like no hose pipes mm-hmm. fair enough and is it a certain percentage of flowers? Like, basically, you have to have a certain percentage cultivated at all times, but there right. is, like, a bit of a limit on flowers, I think. Because allotments are traditionally quite fruit and veg heavy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, there's a few that are going in the garden. Lots of lupins in the garden here. Mm, I, I really love them I so always much. kill them. Do you? I had some from seed that I lovingly, it's the mice, I think. Oh. Before I managed to mouse proof everything, mm. they just devoured the lupins. Every single time they got to like a really cute little two leaf stage, the mice would come and just chop them off. Ah! Oh. That's so cute mice, but that's I know. so annoying. I haven't actually seen the little family in my shed in quite a while now. Maybe they've moved. I hope so. <laughs> Are there allotment cats? So we've got a few there cats was. that like sort of not proud they just hang out mm. at the allotments which is quite good yeah unfortunately sadly the allotment cat passed away oh, earlier no, this week that is sad. um oh. yeah but he used to catch all the rats legends yeah because i think if i ever saw one of those rats alive they are huge yeah that's pretty ballsy of a cat yeah so i'm a little bit concerned about the rat population oh no <laughs> now oh, that we have no cat predators a lot of rat story rat in a bag like, yes yeah oh my god oh. i'm like she's so brave because i just there's no way i think i would have come here come home put both my cats in the container in their carriers put them on some kind of like baler twine makeshift harness and then been like catch this rat <laughs> <laughs> like, I, there's no way i could have my solution if would I have been out at her. I I can never go back ever again. <laughs> that's it. I that's give it. up my rent. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my solution. That I have that with a lot of things. It's fine. I will never ever use that space ever again oh, because gosh, it's no. given me the fear. I get a few here with the stream. Are you really? But I think my cats sort of scare them away, which is good. I haven't I get lots of presents from the cats, but thankfully no rat shaped ones yet. It's, I think I'm fine with most wildlife, most bugs, insects, whatever. I hate slugs. Oh. Ooh, when you stand on a slug in <laughs> what's worse, standing on a slug, maybe we could do a poll on this. Is it worse standing on a slug with bare feet or a piece of Lego? Oh, a slug for definite. I would rather have the searing pain of the Lego. Yeah, the... I once stood on like, you know, like the mini slugs and mm. it got stuck between my oh, toes. It was so gross. Slugs are the worst thing on this planet. Mm. No, what that's dramatic. <laughs> wasps. Slugs are terrible. No, I don't actually mind wasps quite so much because I feel like I don't have a massive problem with them. I don't know if it's because I've never sat down so they're never pesky. <laughs> yeah, slugs are really irritating. The mm. slugs here are horrendous. Like, I lost so many, I was telling you earlier, wasn't yeah. I, that I had, like, kept all the good dahlia varieties, like, the amazing Penhill Monarchs and, like, watermelon ones here, mm. here for the garden, house garden, and they all just got eaten by slugs. Mm. I would definitely recommend the nematodes. Yeah. I do feel I like I've not really seen a slug since. Definitely try those. I probably have, I just, I haven't, definitely haven't had anywhere near as much of a problem 
Mm. Uh, so there is because they're biological as well. They're like yeah. child safe, pet safe. That's yeah, safe that's for the everything. Thing with the boys. Yes, absolutely. Well, we have come up to an hour talking, and we've been here for no like five hours. I know. <laughs> Day. It really has. <laughs> we are definitely going to have to arrange this Devon meetup. Yes, it's no. I'm so many plans to put in the diary. Going after stories this. this evening <laughs> or tomorrow. Um, well, this episode will be out shortly after we put it on the stories. So if you've not, if you've missed the stories, head back and check them out. <laughs> and where can people follow your adventures along on Instagram? Oh, my uh, handle is at Devon and Earth. Definitely would recommend. You'll see that iconic purple shed, iconic <laughs> dungarees which you're wearing today. It's just made me so happy. People who don't garden in dungarees, like guys, try it. There are pockets everywhere. You can keep comfy. There's wiggle room, bending room, and also there's no restrictive waistband, so yeah. you can eat as many snacks as you like. I wouldn't recommend gardening in the dungaree dress that I always wear though, because it's actually super impractical and it's really <laughs> short. But funny, quick, quick story on the um, dungarees. <laughs> I found out this week that for the build of the flower show, we have to wear protective boots and high-vis vests for the entire build because it's technically a building site. Okay. And so I was like, I know it's irrelevant, but there's me planning all these cute outfits. My mum's going to make me this pair of dungarees that I was going to wear for the the build of the show. So cute. And I bought her the pattern and everything. We need to get the fabric. And I was buzzing, and then I was like, but it's all going to be ruined by me sweating in this high-vis vest. And I was like, maybe I can find some like slightly nice ones. Like Maybe we'll have pink ones instead of orange ones. And then someone at work suggested that maybe I could have some high-vis dungarees. Yes! I actually love that idea. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm tempted. My mum would hate it because she hates neon. But I just feel like for one, for one day... I, I might need them. Isn't the high vis thing though like more about the reflective panels and the colour? Oh, I like, I'll do a bit what both. About neon purple. That's what oh, I obviously I love cool. the purple. I'm a big fan of purple. I've got a purple t-shirt. Purple I know. Colors. Love it. Um, I think we might have to have a little fashion discussion after this on yeah. appropriate high vis and protective boots. <laughs> see what protective boot combos. <laughs> And then you'll see me at the show on Monday and I'll be there in like some long floaty dress like, oh, I've just pop- popped out from a high tea <laughs> when I've been sweating away all weekend in what, what I'm imagining is going to be 30 degree heat because it's the first week of July, but it probably won't be. It'll be raining or something, but we'll see. It might well be raining because it'll be just after Glastonbury weekend and typically it will. It will. Glastonbury weekend tends to be wet. It's my birthday on the Sunday though and it's normally sunny for what my actual birthday day. Oh, maybe you'll be lucky then. So we'll see, we'll see. But that wraps up our chat. Thank you so much. Oh, thank much. you. It's been such a delight. I've literally loved every minute. Me too.
Hi, Rhiannon. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> We're going to have to do that again. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like a 10 minute outtake at the end. <laughs> oh, right. Hi, Rhiannon. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> We're going to have to do that again. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> this is going to be like a 10 minute outtake at the end. Oh, right. I cannot wait for our little Devon Allotmenteers meetup. So keep your eyes peeled on Instagram if you'd like to get involved and are local. Don't forget to give Rhiannon a follow on Instagram as well to watch her build her empire at Devon and Earth. You will absolutely love her shed, her cats and her all-round excitement for all things planty. If you've enjoyed listening today, please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review. In the meantime, I would love to hear any of your questions and gardening stories on Instagram at diary of a lady gardener or via email diary of a lady gardener at gmail.com that's all from me this week happy growing hi Rhiannon welcome to the podcast <laughs> we're gonna have to do that again <laughs> This is going to be like a 10 minute outtake at the end. Oh, right. (laughs) You're making me nervous, Kat. Do. Hi, Rhiannon. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I'm with you.